Father God, I thank you so much for my brother Nick, God. And I knew him when he was a grouchy little infant beating on me when I tried to get him to behave. But God, you have raised up a man after your own heart, God. Speak through him and listen through us, God. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't, still don't try to get me to behave. That's, that's reserved for God. <laughs> I like being told what to do or something. <laughs> he's, he's got his hands full, so. Oh, thank you for doing that. That was awesome. Joy is truly contagious. You don't, uh, you don't typically get uh, a group of Midwestern white people that excited unless they're watching like a youth sporting event yelling at their kids or something. We got it wrong. They got it right. <laughs> thank you. Um, we are wrapping up our series that we've been using. The, the theme text has been 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And uh, before I read that, I want to give a, a quick little introduction to uh, really my heart's desire today. We have, if you've been at Rimrock for at least in the last three to five years, uh, you have heard lots of messages on... God's desire for, to give us and desire for us to have hope in the midst of suffering. We have had uh, stories of Jonah. We've used the Bible stories of how God works in deep, dark places. Uh, we've had experiences within our body, how God has taken what I think things that he hates to accomplish what he loves. And so we've had a lot of teaching and messages, and rightly so, I believe, on how God invades dark places and sorrow to bring about glory and goodness and hope and perseverance. And so consider it all joy when you endure trials. So we've talked a lot about that, um, and I think in, in a beautiful way. And a lot of those are truths that I hang on to daily. Uh, but today I want to talk about joy, that the recognition that there is a joy in sorrow, but there's also a lot of good in life. And so the, my desire is to, I think just by way of reminder and to call out for us to be a body of people and a group of people who are very, very quick to acknowledge all the good that is in our life. That God has been, has been so good to me and it sometimes can get uh, drowned out by, if I'm, if I'm focused too much on, on the darkness, the trials, the pain, the suffering, and the loss. And so today, I want you guys to kind of join with me and journey in uh, just a, a, a reminder to see the good in the midst of the pain and many, many times to elevate that good so that becomes my focus. So if you guys are able, would you please stand as I read First Peter? Chapter 1, 3 through 9, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Please be seated. And if you would, pray with me. Living God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus that in a sense prepared us to house the Holy Spirit, that cleansed us so that we might have deep, deep union and intimacy uh, with the living God. And that is what we call upon now, that is who we call upon now to give us understanding of your word, to give us understanding of your will, to help us to believe your love for us, to speak through us, and to truly just, just engage with each other as we pursue God and as we, uh, even now, uh, desire and ask and beg for you to give us a more clear picture of God. Thank you for the purpose that you give us by way of relationship and by way of this life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the portion that we're going to focus on in the text today is uh, verses 8 and 9. And again, I'm going to read it one more time. It says this. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's a little bit problematic for me as I look into this because it's saying rejoice, express joy with joy that's inexpressible. So kind of trip me up a little bit as you kind of dive into this. But, but I think we understand uh, what Peter means as he's writing this uh, to persecuted Christians. We, we know you guys have written birthday cards and Christmas cards and love letters and things like that. And when you say, I don't have words to tell you how much you mean to me, and then we fill a card with words, right? To, to try to express that. And so I think in a way that's what is happening here. He's saying there is a, there is a joy that goes so deep and is so lasting, I hardly know how to define it. Um, I, I don't think I could ever express the fullness of it, but here we go, right? And so we can kind of understand that. This, this week, the last couple weeks as I've been um, preparing for this, I've asked different people in my life, like, how would you define joy? Uh, what's joy to you? And I have lots of different answers, but most of them have a, a theme to them. And, and really the difference has been, or one thing that they've all pointed out, is joy seems to be more constant and consistent and kind of beyond simply outside circumstances. And they've differentiated joy with happiness and typical definition of happiness is there's a, there's a feeling of happiness, pleasure, joy, but it's pretty fleeting. It's contingent upon uh, your environment, the things that are happening around you, outside of you. Uh, joy, all of them would kind of say, it, it seems to be um, beyond that. It, it doesn't seem as contingent on your current circumstances. And I'd say we'd, we'd, most of us would probably agree. Uh, this is how John Piper defines joy. And he, I think he is wise to differentiate Christian joy from just kind of the general thought of joy. And he says this, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So he pulls out a couple things that I really appreciate. He, he recognizes the, the presence and, and almost the, the, the source of this good feeling is the Holy Spirit. And he causes us to see the beauty of God. 
And so today we'll talk a little bit of what it looks like to, to really reflect on the beauty of God himself as well as all the different gifts that he gives us. And I believe as a, a delighted father, he loves to give us. Uh, I want to pepper you real quick with a handful of verses. Um, I have a, a bit of an assumption that uh, we're aware that joy is commanded to us in Scripture. Uh, joy is also simply a, a state or a feeling. And so we're going to kind of try to unpack uh, a little bit of that uh, right here. So listen to the different places in Scripture, just a, a handful that God draws attention to joy. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So there is a, a heavy... Uh, aspect of command there, right? He calls us to rejoice. Uh, John 15, 11, this is the words of Jesus. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And a chapter later, he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So these two pieces of scripture give me uh, a picture that God's heart is one, full of joy himself. Jesus says, my joy may be in you. And he, and he says that, and he wants our joy to be full. So his desire is for his people to experience joy. And so the question today that we'll have to kind of explore with each other is, well, how do I cultivate this? Can, can joy be cultivated? Can I respond to God? Can I partner with God uh, in order to see more of this in my life? Or is this something that just kind of comes upon me uh, when the stars align just right kind of a thing? And, and I really do believe there is, um, God has engaged us and started the conversation and pursued us like we've just sang about. And there is a response that we can offer and give by faith that truly does produce joy in our hearts and spread it to the world. So I want you to think about people in your life that you would consider a joyful person. What characteristics, uh, what comes to mind when you think, yeah, this person I would say is joyful and explore why. I... Uh, kind of define joy this way a little bit. There is a, there is a deepness to joy. There's, there's an anchoring of joy or, or a weightiness of joy. It's similar to happiness, but it seems to come from a more secure place. I would say even like an eternal place. And it's really hard to define, but I think so many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you can relate to that. And it's intermingled with, with peace and it's intermingled with assurance. Uh, and you know it's there. And I don't always experience the, the height of it, but it's always there like just this flowing river or creek that constantly has movement. I want to show you a picture. When I was studying for this and I was asking that very question, I said, what's, what's joy look like? This is my daughter, Natalie, about five years ago. But I'm studying at my desk and I ask myself that question and I open my pencil drawer and I dig around and I have this little picture floating around in there, you know, lost in the shuffle. And I thought, that's what joy looks like. She is, she embodies this stuff and she always has where, side story, but it's worth telling. 
I'm walking down the hallway with Natalie, who she kind of lives in her own world, but it's a very happy place. And she sneezed. And she says, oh my gosh, I just did it. I just sneezed with my eyes open. They say it couldn't be done. And sure enough, she did. I was there. I was like, you're weird, but I love you, you know? But you think about a young, a young girl, she has no idea. She couldn't tell you like all of the reasons that she feels that. But a childlike faith that just knows somehow intrinsically that, boy, there's a lot of good in life. And so she just, it just comes out of her, right? And it's, and it's very, very contagious. And so in a way, it was like, this, is, this, is, this can be an inspiration for us as Christians because I believe that we ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. But there's, there's far too little joy in my mind within the Christian church. Now again, we, we get it. I realize that life isn't filled with really, really happy feelings. Like there is some deep hardship and there is some deep loss to navigate. And when you're in the midst of that, uh, I totally believe you can have a hope and a peace that we'll talk about, but you're not going to be walking around with that grin on your face all the time, right? But how can this be kind of the ethos of our life where when people think of joy, they, they at times can picture you. And maybe that's because you really know how to celebrate the good times or maybe it's because you know how to endure the hard times or maybe it's a combination of both. And I believe God offers us both. So how do we cultivate joy? I think there's a couple things that really have to be in place before this can be characteristic and experiential in our life. So I think these things have to be in place or, or the joy that we experience will be very fleeting and still based on outside circumstances. Number one, I think we have to settle with the fact that there is loss, hardship, and suffering in life. Like we all already know this, but I think there is a place that we can just settle in and receive and start to understand that we live in an age that has good and bad. And we, we all know this experientially, but yet we still continue to fight it, right? And I think when we start to embrace that, and the last point here is very important, everybody has this question of how can God be totally good and yet all of this stuff continue to happen in the world, to people, to me. Like we all have to wrestle with that on some level. And my encouragement is have those conversations with people you know, people you trust, people you think are wise, and, and people who have an understanding of God and his word. Because I really do think, even though it might not fall into these really nice, neat categories, maybe you won't even be able to regurgitate it or explain it to your friend, but I think there is a space that you can rest and settle and be at peace with that kind of question. And until you do, I do not think you will experience the joy that I'm talking about today. So have, pursue that to its end, whatever that might look for you. Uh, number two, which in my mind gives us the victory over number one, the, the age of tension, is I think we have to understand and accept and ask God to give us a deep faith to have an eternal perspective to know that he indeed is restoring 
all things. That everything bad is temporary and everything good will last forever. Scripture, this is a story of God making a, pouring his beauty into his creation and his creation going away from him and ushering in pain and death and sin and sickness. And he is restoring all of that. And many of you heard me say before, I believe that, that in the big picture, that's where we fit in, where God reached deep and starts on the inside and then works out. He reached deep within me and he restored my dead heart. And he placed his spirit within me and brought me to life making all things new. And the process of, of life on earth as we know it is him restoring my, my soul and the way I think. We call that sanctification. He's, I'm completed deep within and he's bringing me to completion so that I express what's already true inside, right? This is the power of Christ within me. And then as my body is decaying, uh, and one day we'll die. And as Bill mentioned a few weeks ago, that we really lose everything on this earth. That there, there embarks and there begins uh, a new beauty that God will begin to restore even my, my earth suit, my, my body. My mortal will be replaced with the immortal. And then it says he renews all of creation. And he renews, uh, he takes away the bad, he takes away sin so that now all of our relationships will be as he designed. So this is what he's about. And so I think you, you need to push into God and study that out where you have some concept and faith to trust that God is and will restore all things. As creator, that's his heart's desire because there will be and there are, as you know, there are things that this world will take from you that you will never get back while here. And if you don't ever get it back, you will not have that flow of joy underneath everything that you do. Saw a scene in a movie just recently, a man had cancer and he was saying basically his last goodbyes and there's a real pointed scene where he speaks to his wife and now he's speaking to his daughter. And it dawned on me like they both were very, very, very aware that this was the last time they will ever speak. This is the last time she will ever say goodbye to her dad and, and most of us have experienced moments like that on earth and that to me feels almost unbearable if that truly is the last time but with God and with eternity set in our hearts because of what he's done we truly don't lose anything forever and I believe that's why Christian joy is so anchored. And I, my desire is we can face anything and my God has an answer for that. Amen? Number three, I think it's important to cultivate joy in everyday life. To begin to cultivate joy in the everyday living. Psalms 118.24 says this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's training my eyes to begin to see all of the good things in life. We know there's bad, but there are tons of good. And if I choose 
to look for those and to acknowledge those, you really begin to see a theme that God is so good to us. I have a friend who goes to church here, and most of you know the story of my health five years ago. I got a virus, got into my spine, paralyzed a ton of my body, uh, woke up one day, could hardly move. Uh, he came to visit me while I was still in the hospital, and we were sitting and, and just talking, kind of being each other's presence, and he says, you see that whiteboard up there on the wall? Yeah, and he said, if you took all of the goodness and blessings and gifts that God has given you, and you started writing all of that down, you could fill that chalkboard. And if I took an eraser and I simply erased the ability to stand or walk from there, you would still have a chalkboard full, top to bottom, left to right, of God's goodness in your life. And that seared within my mind. And he was very sensitive. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't like, oh, you don't know what it's like to... He, he knew what he was doing. But God used that to to reveal to me to open my eyes of what I have and this is very very different than positive thinking the world it, it starts out very similar the world will tell you to, to think about good and positive things so you feel good but most of the time they are trying to create something and many times you can try to think good things when good things aren't there. Or you can tag the label of good on stuff that isn't necessarily, it doesn't go that deep. And something within you knows it's just not authentic. And so it doesn't last and it doesn't carry you. But Christian positive thinking is simply acknowledging what's already there. It's acknowledging what's already true. That God has established goodness and it's on me to simply just call it out, recognize it, and praise him for it. We don't create anything in that sense. We simply acknowledge what God has already created and gifted us with. Uh, you learn this. Uh, my, my kids, when they were young, they're kind of phasing out of this, thank God, uh, play this game in the car called uh, Yellow Banana. Anybody ever heard of that? So here's what happens. You're driving in the car, and anytime someone sees a yellow car, they say, Yellow Banana! And then they hit you or do something. I can't remember. It's, we used to do that with slug bugs, remember? Um, so you see tons of yellow cars when you got four kids yelling this out every time they see one. Now, I didn't check the books, but if I went and looked at uh, yellow car manufacturing sales in Midwest, I doubt that there's been a huge spike in the last 10 years. But I see them way more. They've always been there, right? Now, someone is just acknowledging them. Someone is just calling them out. That, I am convinced we can learn that and become creatures of habit in seeing goodness. And, and you guys, you know what this is like. You, you could name people who, man, they always see the good in this. Uh, I, do, I, I do a lot of coaching, and one of the things I coach is my my kids is baseball and there's a, another dad who is helping me. He's a great help. He's not a huge baseball guy. Um, but part of coaching is acknowledging the good, recognizing the bad, and then like changing that, right? And, and if you can do that in an encouraging way, in a good way, um, that will help, uh, help your team. And so there are so many things that are bad when you're coaching eight-year-old boys playing baseball. And I'm seeing all of the bad and all the bad. And then it, it pours out. And so I'm over here and I walk over and I was like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. And he'd say, yeah, but they're giving it their best. 
okay? Uh, and then mom comes down one day at practice and I got some other people helping and all, she's, she's kind of vocal and she doesn't know what she's talking about. And she says, hey, I want you to do this, this. And I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to deal with this? How am I going to get her off the field? And he says, you know what? She's just trying to be involved. And this dude would not entertain a single bit of my whining. <laughs> but I learned something from him. Here I am trying to better everybody. Let me help you. And he continued to deflect my slight criticizing remarks to constantly focus on what's good over and over and over. Pretty soon I had to go whine to somebody else. <laughs> no, but he made God use this guy. Whether this guy knew he was used by God or not, I have no idea. But God used this guy to imprint on me, holy cow, I want to be a little bit more like that. I want to start to see good. I want to call it out. And I want to bring other people to it. And I'm convinced when that takes place, something starts to change in the way that you live and the effect you have on other people. Did you feel the energy change when Africa came up here? It was much more than simply clapping. You felt it. It does something to us. God placed us in relationships. That's what thanksgiving and that's what joy will do. You will begin to bring heaven down to earth in a very, very tangible way. And people will see your life and wonder, what is that? And we at that moment get to say, oh, you think this is fun? Wait till you meet the king. Because this is where it comes from. I think the, the straightest road, Michael would appreciate this, the straightest road to joy, I believe, is thanksgiving. I believe if I learn to see the good things, acknowledge the good things, and then thank God for those things, over and over the Bible tells me to give thanks, to give thanks, to give thanks. And again, I think this is simply, if I actually recognize and acknowledge what he has done in my life, it's not very hard. <laughs> To, to really sit and ponder that God of gods chose me and has cleansed me from my sin. And it came at the cost of Jesus Christ that he said, let me do what you can't. Let me live in perfection and let me die for you and then let me give you my righteousness. And now we will walk with each other for all time. That's my stance. That brings me tremendous joy. I, I love my relationship with God. He loves me. I love him. Even when he has to discipline me, even when he continues to bring me behind the shed like Tom used to try to do and say, hey, 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 time to repent, time to confess, time to repent. You continually don't meet the mark of perfection, there's a beauty and a joy to it because, oh, he reminds me, I have done it. Now get in line, son. And that produces joy simply because of the relationship. So if we can learn to cultivate joy by being thankful for daily things, to begin to train your eyes to see the yellow bananas out there, 
and to speak about it and to thank God. I think you cultivate thanksgiving first in your prayer life, just when I'm alone with my God, continuing to thank him, but I also think you do it with each other and at church. Let me give you a picture here. Um, this is a picture of my license plate. The first time I got this, they mail it to me. I got this in the mail and I opened it up. Uh, this thing felt like a thousand pounds in my hand. DP stands for disabled person. And it just kind of hit me like, holy cow. Like they don't, ha they don't issue those out to people they think are going to get better. And so it was a really heavy moment. But in that time, God continues to say, what are you going to do with this? Like, what are you going to hang on to? Like, there's one thing you can control, and it's your attitude. So moments in our life, moments in your life that don't uh, face value offer you joy. You're not feeling that smile, right? But yet, I think because of God's promises and because of all of the other good things in my life, and ultimately because of God himself has done wonderful things for me, I anchor that thing on a motorcycle. Show them the next slide. That's where it is. So here's the deal. Uh, riding a motorcycle brings me tons of joy. And when I, when I pull into handicapped spots on that things, I get a lot of dirty looks at first. Because you don't see a lot of motorcycles with handicapped spots and so usually I park and I get out and then I walk like this to the store. <laughs> and then I really work on my good gait when I'm in there. Uh, but my, my point is this, my point is this. Amongst all the trials, amongst all your suffering, I promise you there's good there. And God will give you creative ways to express that. And you oftentimes have to leave, lead your heart into thanksgiving. Scripture uses this phrase, a sacrifice of praise. It's interesting. A sacrifice of praise. And truly, I think it's not something that we're going to dig deep down and conjure up. I, I think we lead ourselves that way. But really, I think it's me simply acknowledging the truth of God's promises. So you'll have moments and times and opportunities and choices to make in your every day what you do with hardship and what you do with trial and what you do with suffering. But lastly, what I want to talk about is learning to cultivate joy by acknowledging the best thing. Gospel means good news, which again means the kingdom of God has come. And in order for that to happen in a broken world, it came through the person of Jesus Christ. And we've spent tons of time talking about him establishing his kingdom on earth. And he starts by establishing his kingdom in your heart. And it grows to establishing his kingdom, his reign, his ways at Rimrock Church. And it spreads from there. The greatest good of the gospel is God himself. It's not getting to the point of being able to get on a motorcycle because that thing will be taken from me. I'll lose it. It's not getting to the point of being able to stand up or walk. I'll lose that. But the greatest good of the gospel is God himself. And there are everything in your life, at some point, we've got to hold it loosely because it will be taken away for a season. Except God. And not only himself, but everything that comes from him. He gives us tons of tangible 
experiential things that you can feel on this earth. It's how he works. You look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. So learning to recognize, praise, and acknowledge the presence of God in your life. And go as far as you possibly can trying to understand this idea of grace. It is pure gift. One of my favorite pieces of scripture is Psalm 1611. It says, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. That's capacity talk, right? Full. In his presence. And pleasures forevermore. That's duration talk. So in the presence of God and in his pleasures that he gives you that come from himself, this is what Christian joy looks like. This should be within our hearts and within our lives and people should see traces of this by the way that we conduct ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, right? So these things are God. They're His characteristics. And so I think part of the reason joy is hard to define is because it is continually crossing over with peace and all these other fruits. And ultimately because it finds its source and its home in God, who's a little bit beyond full comprehension. So this week, I want a couple things I want to encourage you in, encourage myself and remind myself in, is that, yeah, we all know bad stuff in the world, heartache in the world. We, we get it. And there's a lot of times you can't escape the, the depth of emotional pain that comes from that. But we also know there are good, there is good, and there will forever be good. And so to continue to fix your eyes on that, knowing that in good times and in bad, there is God. Recognizing that he is with you in the midst of that. His heart breaks when yours breaks. His heart rejoices when you rejoice. You're experiencing God made in his image. He's a God who knows what it's like to feel sorrow, and he's a God who knows what it's like to feel joy. And so he has scattered this world with his gifts. And honestly, most of them are people. And so begin to remind each other of that. And I think bit at a time, you will find yourself experiencing more joy, which everybody loves. And people will begin to see that in your life. And as we move into Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is a fabulous time. Once again, tangible reminders for us. That if I can learn to see and cultivate God's good and be thankful for that, I will begin to experience joy. It will almost surprise me. Let's pray.